Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good morning, Oregon. It's Monday, February 13th. This is Beth Slovic with a news briefing from The Oregonian and Oregon Live. A quick programming note. Starting next week, we are shifting our Monday morning briefing to a new schedule. Our Monday episode will come out at noon with fresher news from the morning and the weekend. The rest of our briefings will hit your ears first thing in the morning as usual. Oregon lawmakers are wrestling with whether to continue paying state workers who've chosen to live in far-flung states like Hawaii to travel back to the state for periodic in-person check-ins. Before the pandemic, it was not unusual for a small segment of state workers to live just outside Oregon's borders in places like Washington, Idaho, California, and Nevada. But those workers were expected to show up at state workplaces on their own dime. Now, in the wake of the pandemic and its remote work allowances, the state has employees living in 41 states and the District of Columbia, according to the Department of Administrative Services. Senate Bill 853 would prohibit the state from paying costs of travel to or from Oregon for employees who telecommute from outside the state. Last week, Melissa Unger, Executive Director of Service Employees International Union Local 503, the largest public employee union in Oregon, came out strongly against Senate Bill 853. Unger said management created the policy that allowed remote work, and now managers must honor the consequences. It's not clear how many state employees decided to move out of state because of the December 2021 state remote work policy change. Information collected by the Oregonian Oregon Live from several of the state agencies with the largest payroll costs suggests the reimbursements for out-of-state workers to commute back to Oregon a few times a year may total less than $100,000. A spokesperson for Governor Tina Kotek, a Democrat who is also known for having a close relationship with public employee unions, said the governor avoids weighing in on legislation and had no comment on whether she wants to continue the policy of paying for some out-of-state workers' travel back to Oregon. Shipping container traffic through the Port of Portland has rebounded significantly. Portland's container volume was at its highest point last year since 2013, according to port figures, which counted the equivalent of 171,000 20-foot containers passing in and out of Portland last year. That's about half of the peak activity Portland recorded in the 1990s, but it's roughly in line with container volumes in the three years immediately before the 2015 labor dispute that made global headlines at the port. The Port of Portland remains a small operator compared to its West Coast peers. Terminals in Seattle and Tacoma regularly handle more than a million containers a year, and the giant container yards in Long Beach and Los Angeles each handled nearly 10 million in 2022. The Archdiocese of Portland has instructed Catholic schools in the area to rebuff what it calls, quote, gender identity theory. Quote, this means that names, pronouns, facilities use, attire, and sports participation should depend on biological sex identity rather than self-perceived gender identity, quote, reads a 17-page document called A Catholic Response to Gender Identity Theory from Archbishop Alexander Sample late last month. 
The Portland Archdiocese is just the latest branch of the Catholic Church to enact similar policies, but it's likely to face blowback from its schools, including those in Portland, given the area's progressive politics. In 2015, St. Mary's reversed its policy against hiring gay employees after community uproar following the firing of a counselor who said she was gay and planned to marry. Sample supported that firing. Many students in Oregon Catholic schools aren't Catholic. Among the guidelines outlined in the document, pronouns used at school must match biological sex. Schools should not have all gender bathrooms beyond single-use facilities. Sports and extracurriculars, quote, should be based on biological sex rather than self-perceived gender, end quote. Students who wear uniforms must follow the, quote, code that accords with his or her biological sex, end quote. And, quote, Catholic institutions should not post signage or display symbols in support of gender identity theory, end quote. A spokesperson for the Portland Archdiocese did not immediately respond to an email Sunday seeking comment. Hope you love snow, Portland, because a dusting of snow is expected to hit the area Tuesday, which also happens to be Valentine's Day and Oregon's 164th birthday. A cold front that's expected to arrive Monday night means rain will turn to snow early Tuesday, possibly leaving a dusting at lower elevations around the Portland area. Up to an inch of snow could accumulate at elevations above 1,000 feet, according to the National Weather Service. This isn't the first time it snowed on Valentine's Day in Portland. In fact, Portland saw snow on this day just two years ago. Portland International Airport recorded two inches of snow on February 14, 1959, and almost six inches of snow fell on Portland on February 14, 1923, said Noah Alves, a meteorologist with the Weather Service in Portland. Thanks for listening. You can support our local journalism by subscribing to Oregon Live. Go to OregonLive.com slash pod support.